How shall we honor your majesty? We are so unknowable, yet evidence of your work is at every hand. The mystery of life in its many forms, the discoveries we are allowed to make, the sweep of knowledge entrusted to our use, the amazing resources of this planet, all speak of a God who cares, who honors us, and provides for our salvation. Let this time of meeting honor you and equip us to do your will. Amen. Now as our service continues with reverence, let us prepare our hearts and minds as we listen to the prelude.
Friends, God is good, kind and faithful and merciful. We are called to worship God in spirit and in truth. Please be seated. Now we continue to worship God by praying our confession together. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much of the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things we ought to have done. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. God has heard our prayers. God's grace is ours. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As the disciples of Christ, let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of sins, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, as we say in Texas, please mosey around and greet your neighbors in Christ's name.
Good morning. What a beautiful morning it is, isn't it? <laughs> Nothing else need be said. We are grateful that you're with us this morning. We pray that you will let us know of uh, your presence here, signing the friendship pads which are in the pew and passing those to your neighbor. We are grateful for your presence, thankful that in the spirit God calls us together such that we can be the body of Christ, not only together, but then sent out into the world to change the world. So we hope that you will find here not only a place of welcome, but a place of commission. We have great things going on in our life here at Church of the Palms this week, and we call your attention to a few things. Our men and women have uh, min different ministries going on this week. Our uh, Presbyterian women are sponsoring a fashion show at the end of the week, and we can call your attention to that in the bulletin. You may wish to join us for that. And then we also have a men's breakfast in a couple of weeks, two weeks, uh, a week from this Saturday. There will be a men's breakfast. You can sign up for that underneath the tree. Our uh, nominating committee is uh, beginning its work, and uh, they have available in your uh, bulletin a place for you to either nominate somebody in our church as a possibility for a, a leadership position here at Church of the Palms, or to even self-nominate yourself. So we uh, invite you to take a look at that. We would love to get some names from you so that we can uh, bring forward another great uh, list of uh, candidates for leadership here at Church of the Palms. Our tutoring ministry is well underway, and uh, Judy tells me that the list remains long of those students that could use some help, but uh, we don't have yet the tutors available for them. So again, if you would consider one hour a week and what a difference that might make in the life of a child, it doesn't matter what subjects you know or don't know, uh, we still invite you to reach out to uh, Judy. Uh, it's listed in the bulletin, and she will be glad to uh, make you aware of how she can, how you can be of help in that very important ministry. And we celebrate the uh, birthday of Woodrow Johnson, who turns 95 this week. And if you know Woodrow, please uh, reach out to him and say, well done. We are in the midst of our stewardship season this, uh, this month, and we are uh, enjoying that great devotional, The Joy of Generosity, the Generosity Booklet. Many of you have been reading that and have found that to be very, very helpful. We are focusing uh, on the ways by which God invited us this past year to be experiencing the joy of generosity with our time and our talent and our treasure. And I'd like to invite the Vafeas family forward, and they're going to come up and share with you a little bit about their own experience of being a part of the joy of generosity. So come on up. Good morning. My name is Demetrius Fafeas, and this is my wife, Nancy, our son, Alexander, and our daughter, Olivia. Nancy and I joined Church of the Palms nine years ago after Alexander was born. We wanted to find a church home that would partner with us and support us in our desire to raise a Christian home and to raise a Christian family. We found that at Church of the Palms. God has been generous to our family. He is the highest model of generosity. We wanted to follow his example by teaching our children to be generous and to understand the experience and experience the joy of generosity through cheerful giving of our time, our talents, and our money. 
This year, Church of the Palms provided our family with just that opportunity. During the Lenten season, our family was so excited to hear about the Mission Field of Dreams, where church members received a reverse offering and could prayerfully give these funds to an organization, individual, or family that we felt could benefit from this. We have heard many wonderful stories from so many of you about how you used the offering to make a difference in someone's life. This is ours. We had a family meeting to choose this organization we wanted to help. We decided we wanted to give the money to A Day of Hope, an event our church hosted this August to help homeless families in Sarasota get ready for back to school. Alexander and I had attended the informational meeting about the event just a couple of weeks before. And I knew immediately that I wanted to be a part of this important project to help other children. We decided that while the $20 in our Mission Field of Dreams envelope would be great to donate to the event, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could be even more? I wanted to have a lemonade and cupcake stand in our neighborhood. <laughs> to raise more money for this project, and we all agreed this would be a great way for our family to work together and raise more funds. In speaking with our neighbor, Carter Donovan, who also attends Church of the Palms, about our plans, she shared our enthusiasm and asked if she could put her mission donation toward our efforts by making cupcakes, brownies, and helping that day. Our excitement was growing. We set a date for the lemonade stand and began the prep work. I made flyers that told what a day of hope was all about to hand out to our customers, and we made the signs for the stand. And I made even more beautiful with, picture, with pictures in bright colors. The day was finally here, and we woke up early on a Saturday morning ready to begin. Once people heard and read about what we were raising the money for, we sold quite a few $5, $10, and even $20 cupcakes. And I can assure you, it wasn't because of my baking skills. <laughs> With thanks to our generous neighbors and friends, we were happy to report that our lemonade, cupcake, and brownie stand made $200 for a day of hope. That, along with our initial mission money, enabled us to make a donation to a day of hope of $225. It was amazing to see how God multiplied this gift and to experience this mission project with our family, friends, and neighbors. We are so thankful that Church of the Palms provided our family with a hands-on opportunity to experience with our children the joy of generosity. Thank you, and may God bless you. Thank you, Vephaeuses. What a great story of being able to take a little and turn it into a lot. And that's always the challenge for our lives is what God plans to use with the resources he gives us. And uh, we have great opportunities and challenges as we look ahead to how we can use those resources that God gives us. And I've invited Andrea Jackson, who is an elder on our session and is chair of the Administration and Finance Committee to share with you a little bit about uh, the joys and challenges that lie, oh, lie in store for us. Come on up, Andrea. I don't think it's fair that I, got, that I have to follow cute children and cupcakes <laughs> and talk about money. So I'll do my best to entertain. Um, I had the honor of speaking to you in January at our annual meeting to discuss our church finances as it related to 2011 year-end performance and our budget plans for 2012. 
I'd like to use this opportunity to update you on where we stand and what we anticipate for 2013. The past three Sundays and today, we've heard some amazing stories of how our church dollars are at work in our community and in our country and in our world. It has reminded me how incredibly blessed we are to be able to use our resources to minister to so many. We've all come together as a community in Christ to give of ourselves and our finances, and the work we have accomplished has been extraordinary. So thank you. And thanks to your generous giving and the staff's ability to control spending, I'm happy to report that we once again are on a sound financial track to finish out 2012 within our proposed budget. We've filled vacancies within our staff, and we've proceeded forward with the long-needed improvements to our facilities. In addition, we've been able to draw funds from our new capital reserve account and not take away from our operating budget for needed capital items. We've also taken a hard look at where we anticipate we will be at year-end. The projected year-end income is expected to be just over $2.4 million, with expenses slightly less, leaving a surplus of about $75,000. These projections are based on a combination of our historical five-year data, our outstanding pledge dollars, and known expenses for the remainder of the year. If we succeed in ending the year with a surplus, we hope to set aside additional dollars for our capital reserve and begin to fund our sabbatical leave policy for our pastors. So what does this mean for 2013? We've worked diligently with staff and their departments to determine a realistic budget for next year. We knew going in that we must maintain, at a minimum, our present staff levels in order to run a church of our size. But in order to do that and continue to sustain all the wonderful programs and mission efforts you've been hearing about, we need to increase our pledge dollars substantially over last year. So what is that number and why is it needed? We are asking the congregation for an average of a 10% increase in our pledge dollars over last year to balance the 2013 budget. These funds will help cover our increased staff expenses, our increased insurance costs, provide additional funds for our growing family ministry area, and our newly filled equipping ministry, and of course, sustain our mission giving to its full potential. I fully recognize that this is a substantial increase, but I also firmly believe that if we as a congregation have a better understanding of where we started and where we need to be, that we will be able to make an informed, prayerful decision about our personal pledge. I want to close with mentioning the generosity devotional that we've been reading. Personally, I was moved by the story of the Malawi miracle, where a church in California wanted to raise funds to build a hospital for orphans in Africa. I was moved by the words in the book, but I was further moved to tears after watching the video online. They communicated a goal to their congregation, and their congregation surpassed that goal by over 200%. In the video, one of the narrators states, it was not four big checks, but everybody doing what they could. I know here at Church of the Palms, we have always risen to the challenge when raising funds for a specific cause. 
I would like us to think of our annual pledge as exactly that. Each dollar helps provide food, affordable housing, medical supplies and services, curriculum for our Sunday school, opportunities to share God's word to non-Christians, the help a child needs to pass a test, sheet music for our choir, opportunities for an unemployed single mother to find a job, printing of our church bulletin, the ability to translate God's written word so that its true meaning can be discerned, the gift of a backpack and supplies for a child to start their first day of school. The list goes on and on and on. So please think of all of these missions and the day-to-day -day operations of our church as our Malawi and pledge what you can. As our reading states, we give because God gave, we give as God gave, and we give as generously as God gave. And that requires great maturity and obedience on our part. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. We would like to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment. Speaking of a mission. Everybody, how are you guys doing? Oh my gosh, it is such a beautiful day. Oh, I can't even believe it. And this is such a great time for us in the life of, of the church because we get to give our third graders their Bible today. Such a special gift and it's so exciting for us. And as we're making it all down here, I just want to tell you, before we do the third grade Bible presentation, I want to talk to you just a little bit about a different kind of gift. Good morning. How are you? Hey, Em. All right. So we've been talking all month about individuality and about how God gave each one of us a gift to use, right? Today, we're going to talk about how we have to all use our gifts together to make a difference in the world. Here's what's going on. Paul and Timothy are going from town to town and they're starting, see that? They're starting churches, which is great. They'll start a church and then they'll go on. Well, they heard that this one church is fighting with each other because someone's saying, oh, I have the best gift. No, I have the best gift. No, I'm more important than you are. You know what Paul said? Paul said, the church is like Mr. Potato Head. Sort of. He said, the church is the body of Christ. The body has all these different parts, doesn't it? No part's more important than the other. We need every single part to be the most effective that we can be. It would be like the feet saying, well, I'm not hands, so I don't belong to the body. Well, that's crazy. Of course, it doesn't do the same thing that the hands do, but we need our feet, don't we, if we're going to walk and go places? Or it's like the ears saying, oh, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong in the body. Oh, no, look what happens if we don't have ears. Look at what happens to our Mr. Potato Head. Then he can't hear anymore. Every single one of you has a gift. Every single one of you has a gift. And we are so powerful when we use those gifts together to serve God in the world. So with that, I want to give each one of these third graders their very own Bible where our life source comes from and where we're going to learn and grow together 
And when you hear your name, if you would just stand up, and we're just gonna go through so you can hear everybody's name in this class. And if, so they may not all be here. And I actually don't even see Tallulah Bonifield. Is Tallulah here? Tallulah is not here. George, uh, Sophie could take that. Uh, James Michael Carrion. There he is right over there. Sydney Chojanaki? Nope. And Aiden Zachary Hay? Grant Scott Collins? Austin Gallagher? Nope. Rebecca Danielle Gardner? Pastor Steve gets his exercise today. It's good. Zachary Marsh. There's 23. It's so awesome. Dale James Morris. Hannah Renner. There you go. Michael Reembauer. I didn't think I saw Michael. Okay. Brooke Riley. Oh, Jenna's not here today, is she? Nope. Okay, that's right. And Georgia Elizabeth Ross, my running partner from the beach. Well, really, you ran more with Brian, didn't you? From the beach runs. Excellent. Michaela Marsha Marsha Rosalat. Ella Corinne Scarlett. There you go. Luke Anton Schroeder. Okay, man. We're getting there, you guys. Kevin John Leslie Sutherland. All right. Madeline Stevens. There it goes off. And Logan Sutmiller. No, Logan, sorry. Alexander Demetrios Vafeus. Excellent. I know that Ashley's not here, and Ashley Vanderzee. Calder Tyson Valino. And is there any third grader here that I missed? Before Pastor Steve says um, a closing prayer for us, I want to remind the parents of these third graders to come out with us for a little orientation, and you'll just come under the tree and leave right after this prayer. Okay, let us pray. We are so thankful, Lord, that you love us enough to give us your word, the word that we know in Jesus and the word that we know in this book. And we pray, Lord, that you'll be especially with these third graders as they receive these Bibles, that they may become very much familiar with them and such that they might know more and more of that great story of love that Jesus comes to us and loves us and assures us of life everlasting. So we pray your blessing upon them and upon us all as we seek to follow him in Jesus' name, amen. You may be excused.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord God, for all we see and feel, know and experience, we give you glory, honor and praise. We thank you for your spirit living us in our everyday lives, the spirit which embraces and energizes and changes us. You take our wounded spirits and you empower us to live and serve you anew as your hands and your heart in, in this world. So today, Lord, and every day, we worship you and we love you with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strengths. We want to take these moments for a time of rest and renewal in you. We ask that your presence will be real in each of us today. May we make space for you. May we be still. May we listen. May we rejoice. Each of us comes from a different place, and yet we all have the same desire to know your unmistakable presence in the midst of all that clutters our lives. Remind us as we pray of what is significant in our lives and what is significant to you. Help us to, as we've heard earlier this morning, to know the significance of being generous and being loving in the way we give our time and money to your kingdom. Help us to seek every opportunity to live into the truth and guidance of your gospel every day. We do lift up those with troubled minds today and pray that their hearts might be softened even in the most difficult uh, parts of life. We pray for people who are dealing with illness and grief and are in need of your healing presence. Some are concerned about what the future might hold. Some are dealing with the instability of health or financial burdens. Some may know the disquiet that has come with a recent failure. So we pray that uh, for those who are overwhelmed by life, that you'll plant the seed of hope for those who need your grace. For people with personal situations, that grip their hearts this morning, show how they can better trust in you as the mover of mountains. Meet us at each point of our need today, we pray. We commit to make our everyday interactions with neighbors and coworkers and friends bold moments to affirm our faith and to reflect the character of Christ. So we pray you'll help us to be open and receptive to those nudges long enough to be reminded that we need to be you to those who need you most. May our engagements with those who have offended us and those we have offended be real moments to confess our need for forgiveness. Strengthen us so that we may offer such forgiveness to one another and humble us so that we can receive it when it is offered to us. We trust you and we thank you for what will be. We need and want the moving of your spirit, whether it's subtle or soft, strong or loud. We need that to remind us that we're not alone. So Lord, we pray, accept our worship and praise. Accept that which is worshiped in silence, spoken and sung to the glory of your name. And with grateful and thankful hearts, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And let us now bring our tithes and offerings together as we give unto the Lord.
Lord, our hearts overflow with thanksgiving for all the bounty that you entrust to our stewardship. You've reached into the shadows where we often flee to rescue us and give us your work to do. Enable us to offer healing to others as we listen and share and do. Bless these offerings of self and substance, and we pray in Christ's name, amen. mentioned the last few weeks that we've been reviewing various ways to live more and more into our mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ, means by which to involve more and more people, especially in the opportunities of spiritual growth and life together here at Church of the Palms. And in particular, we've been considering our Sunday morning schedule to see if we can make more space for chances for the whole congregation, children, youth, parents, young adults, seniors, to participate in spiritual formation and in fellowship together. And we think we found a way to make a very small adjustment in our Sunday morning schedule that will allow us to accomplish a great deal in bringing A, our congregation more together from our various places of worship and learning, and B, to provide time that we can all participate in spiritual formation. Ultimately, what we wanna do is find time in between our worship services 
to invite everyone to enjoy classes, small groups, fellowship, and the like. And we decided that as a centerpiece for our Sunday mornings, we want to make available at least a 45-minute time of education and equipping for folks of all ages to come together at the 10:15 hour and after they've worshiped earlier or before they worship later to come together and to participate in spiritual formation for all ages, Sunday schools, small groups, seminars, fellowships, all that will occur at this 10:15 to 11 o'clock time. Now in order to do this, we need just to make one small change and that is to move this service, our 9:15 sanctuary service to begin 15 minutes earlier. 15 minutes to start at 9 o'clock as the same time as our garden worship starts at 9 o'clock. So both services will begin at 9 and conclude at 10 so that we can have fellowship together as a whole congregation under the tree and then have spiritual formation that follows that at 10.15. Our TV broadcast will commence at, 10, at 9 o'clock as always, but this time we'll now conclude at 10 o'clock and at 11 o'clock we'll have our regular 11 o'clock worship service with special music, music in the sacred space, at the beginning to allow for people to make their way from spiritual formation to worship. Our 11 o'clock service will conclude as always at 12 o'clock and we will then provide some more intentional hospitality and fellowship after that service. So we're very excited about this because of how much more it gives us to accomplish in our Sunday mornings and we want to remind you that it will not start until the first Sunday of January. Give you a couple months, kind of get used to the thought, <laughs> the feeling. So not next Sunday, but when? The first Sunday of? Excellent. Well done. So you will uh, be lear learning more about the spiritual formation opportunities that will be provided at that time at, at 1015. But please uh, pray for us as we make this little adjustment in our Sunday morning schedule and as we look forward to growing continually in our effort to equip disciples for the service of Christ. Now let's turn to our scripture today and we find ourselves again in the book of Jonah. We've been preaching through the book of Jonah during this month of October, thinking through the, the great stewardship themes that we find in this, the call of God. And we are in the third chapter that picks up in the story after Jonah has been deposited by the fish on the dry land. So hear the word of God. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. And Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes, and then he made a proclamation to Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God, and shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. 
But this was very displeasing to Jonah. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O oh Lord, please then just take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our minds and our hearts, O Lord, to what this story may be yearning to tell us. For we pray that these words to come will point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Sometimes it's hard to know who is on the side of your Lord. I love that story of the medieval knight who returned to his castle after a long journey. He was battered and bloody, his armor dented, his horse limping. He was barely able to stay in the saddle. The Lord of the castle, the Lord of the castle came out and met him and inquired with a sense of urgency, what, what hath befallen thee, sir knight? Straightening up as best as he could, the knight replied, Sire, I have been laboring in thy service, doing battle with thy enemies to the east. Once the Lord looks worried and perplexed, he says, but sir knight, I have no enemies to the east. Oh my answered the knight, I think that thou dost now. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to know who is on the side of your Lord. Sometimes it's hard to understand who is on the side of your Lord. There is a heartbreaking story that takes place in the Old Testament in the book of Second Samuel. It happens within the family of one, if not the greatest of all the heroes of Israel, King David. King David is the most revered of all the kings of Israel and is known for a, a heart strong for God, but he's a complicated man and his life falls victim to foolish mistakes and domestic turmoil. Perhaps the most painful moment in David's life comes when his own son, Absalom, his own flesh and blood, turns against him. Not only does he turn against him, but he mounts a coup against him. Not only does he mount a coup, but he raises up an army against his father, the king. David is hunted by his own son. It's a long and painful story which ends with David sending the full force of his army after the army of the rebellious Absalom. But he gives these explicit orders to his lieutenants. Deal gently, he says. Deal gently for my sake with the young man, Absalom. For all is said and done, the king says, the young man is still my son. Take care of him. Well, as it turns out, the vengeful spirit of David's lieutenants get the better of them. And instead of dealing gently with the young son of the king, when they had the chance, they brutally kill him. 
The king waits word in the palace about the outcomes, and the messenger arrives to tell him of how the armies of Absalom had been vanquished, but the king seems little concerned about the larger battle and more concerned about the welfare of his boy. Is it well, he asked, is it well with the young man Absalom? And the messenger, thinking he's delivering good news, says, Oh, may the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to do you harm be like that young man. And then the author reports, the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he wept, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. It's a tragic story. The lieutenants, they knew the rules. They, they knew the strategies of war. They knew what might in the end even save the country, but what they didn't know was the heart of their Lord. For the heart of the king was for his boy his son, his rebellious child. Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, would I have died instead of you. Sometimes it's hard to know what is in the heart of the king. Sometimes it's hard to know who is on the side of your Lord. So today we turn to act three of the story of Jonah, the penultimate act of this amazing odyssey of the prophet. Act one was the call of God that sent Jonah going the other way. Act two was the disguised deliverance of Jonah getting swallowed by the big fish, seemingly the instrument of his demise, but instead becomes the agent of his rescue. In the belly of the beast, Jonah sees that he's been paddling the wrong way. He's been paddling upstream, and it is best for him to go the other way. Now Act 3 has Jonah in the city of Nineveh, preaching the word of doom, throwing down the gauntlet, setting the clock of destruction. Forty more days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown, he preaches. And then comes what we think is the surprise, the big surprise. The Ninevites, listen, they, they take the prophet at his word, they heed the warning, the whole city repents, the whole city, including the king, cover themselves in sackcloth and ashes, and they cry mightily to God and beg for mercy, a whole city on the edge of destruction, and all of a sudden, everyone gets the light, and they turn from their ways, and on top of it, God changes his mind, spares them, some story, we say, quite an ending, we say. Everyone lives happily ever after, we say. But then we, we learn that as surprising as things have turned, the real surprise, the real point of the story has yet to come. For now the camera shifts from the jubilation of the Ninevites rejoicing in the mercy of God. The camera shifts over to the prophet who has a scowl on his face. Really, he says, as wicked as those Ninevites are, sworn enemies of Israel, violent barbarians, and, and now, a little sackcloth and ashes and a few mumbled prayers, and all of a sudden God changes his mind. 
I knew, I knew, Jonah, I knew you were a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, blah, blah, blah. I knew you were ready to relent. I knew you'd pull something like this. I knew what your heart was about. You see, that's the surprise. It's not that Jonah was afraid to go to Nineveh. It's not that Jonah minded having to bear the bad news of the foreigner's destruction. It's that Jonah knew. He had an inkling that, that God would be merciful nonetheless. He had this sneaky suspicion that God was on the side of the Ninevites, that God really wanted the Ninevites to come out of this all right. That in the end, these were his children, and the father would never let his children go. You see, it's not that Jonah didn't know the heart of God. It's that he just didn't understand the heart of God. He didn't understand how could God be so merciful. And maybe he didn't understand the heart of God because it just never connected for him that, that God's grace toward him was just as surprising just as mysterious, that, that Jonah had no better story than the Ninevites. He had no greater claim on the mercy of God than the Ninevites. He, was, he no more deserved that big fish than the Ninevites deserved God changing his mind. The heart of God, the, the merciful heart of God can be a very difficult thing to understand. Jesus told us stories about the same thing. Told us the story about the prodigal son come staggering home after blowing, blowing the whole family fortune or part of the family fortune, and, and the older brother can't wait to see what little Junior's going to get. But now it's a party. All he sees is a party. I don't get it. I just don't understand, he says. And the father says, my God, boy, He's my son. What about sonship don't you understand? The workers in the vineyard, Jesus tells that story, all, the, all start their jobs at different times during the day. Some work 12 hours, some work 6 hours, some work 1 hour. They all line up to, for payday at the end of the day, and they all get the same amount. Whoa, 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 say the 12-hour people. Hello? I mean, how, how do they get the same pay when we've been working 11 more hours. I mean, we bore the heat of the day, and the master says, oh, don't, don't you remember how glad you were this morning that you got a chance to work? And what about wanting everyone to have a living wage? Don't you understand? Or the servant who owes his master, Jesus tells us that story of, of a bajillion dollars, owes his master a bajillion dollars. That's Maybe not a technical term, but anyway. And the master forgives the debt. And, and, and then the servant who's just been forgiven this debt turns around and finds a fellow servant who owes him tip money. And he calls the cops, has them sent to jail. And the master says, did you, did you forget that quickly? Did, did you wonder that the grace intended for you was a grace intended for all? What about that, don't you understand? 
It's hard to understand the merciful heart of God. And don't you wonder if that isn't what we struggle with when it comes to our own personal mission, our own personal stewardship. It's not that we, we don't know the heart of God. It's that we don't understand the mercy of God. For certain, we know the heart of God. We've been singing it since from the beginning of our days. Jesus loved the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves all the children of the world. We know that. But you know, it's just the older we get, the harder it is to understand it. We divide the world between good people and bad people. The world's complex and it's messy and it's full of danger, of course. And the more we focus on that, the more we forget that we are complex and we are messy. And we are dangerous. And yet, God chose to keep us on his side. Who's on the Lord's side? Well, if, if we are, it must mean everyone is. So whatever fortune that has fallen our way, it wasn't, of course, meant for us. It wasn't meant, it was meant for everyone. To, to think it was meant just for us is to make us one of those who feel entitled. You know, the entitlement culture. No one wants to be a part of the entitlement culture. So God calls, and he's always calling us to those who do not yet know of his mercy. Even those who appear even to be the most threatening, the most dangerous, the most rebellious, even the Ninevites. Because we know those Ninevites are on God's side. We just know it. We don't understand it. We may not even like it. But the Father says, you don't have to understand it. You, you don't have to like it. Just know it. And live like you know it. That God's mercy to us is God's mercy to all. God's grace for us is God's grace for all. The God's blessing to us is God's blessing to all. And like the prophet, we get to be about this mission of deliverance to those who may be at the greatest risk of not knowing that they're on the Lord's side. It's like the story, you know, of the mother of four sons, and when someone asked her which of her four sons does she love the most, she said, well, I love them all the same. Oh, no, 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 come on now. I mean, you gotta love one the most. Which one do you love the most? No, no, I, I really do love them all the same. Now, be honest, I mean, you have to have your heart tipped toward one of them, I mean, just a little bit more. Which one do you love the most? And after a moment, she thinks, well, you know, now that I think of it, my heart does grow a little warmer toward one. I do love one the most. The one I love most is whichever one is in the most trouble. This, I think, we can understand.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. This program is coming to you from the Sanctuary of Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. This presentation of our 9 o'clock traditional worship service is a live telecast sent your way every Sunday morning. Locally, we're seen on Comcast Cable Channel 189 and through live streaming to anywhere the Internet reaches. There'll be another traditional worship service here at 11. And in the Garden of the Campus Center, a contemporary service is presented Sundays at 9. Church of the Palms is a Presbyterian Church, USA. For 15 years, we've been a mission-oriented church in Honduras focusing the past three years on a remote and very poor village. We've helped improve a macro shelter, created a school library, offered the children a vacation Bible school, and are developing a safe, reliable source of drinking water for the village. In early 2013, we'll travel back to assist in buildings shelving in their school classrooms. Our goal is to outfit the school-aged children with a pair of black shoes for school and tennis shoes or sandals for play. Lack of shoes is a pressing need for this village. Contributions for the Honduras Shoe Driver are welcomed at this time. You can make checks payable to Church of the Palms with Honduras Shoe Drive on the memo line. If you have questions, contact Brad Wilson at 312-4193. Back to Basics Tutoring has over 130 students from 29 area schools. Beginning in 1992 with 12 students, Back to Basics Tutoring is a ministry of our church highly recommended by educators. If you have questions or want to volunteer, contact Judy Armitage at 924-1323 or you can sign up under the fellowship tree. People helping people. That's what's happening between Church of the Palms and the Resurrection House. We're one of the largest contributors each week to the Resurrection House, 
which is much appreciated. And they, in turn, return the favor by contributing children's clothing and some household items for the Good Samaritan mission, and also give food products weekly to the Church of the Palms Food Pantry. Many people face a chronic crisis every day of their lives. Whether they're caring for a sick family member, going through a long period of unemployment, or experiencing incurable pain, they may benefit from the support and care of a Stephen minister. Our congregation is committed to providing care to those who stand in need of it. To find out more about our Stephen ministry, or to receive a Stephen minister's care. You can call the church office at 924-1323. You'll find us on Facebook. Click the Facebook link on our website, churchofthepalms.org, to be redirected over to our Facebook page and like us to get updates on weekly events. There's a 90-plus lunch Friday, November 16th. The deacons cordially invite the congregation of Church of the Palms to a celebration in honor of our 90-plus members. Lunch and entertainment will be provided in the campus center beginning at 11.15 a.m. Tickets are $10. Seating is limited, so please RSVP by November 1st to the church office at 924-1323. Well, as we've told you many times in the past, it's always a pleasure to bring you these live telecasts from Church of the Palms in Sarasota. And our prayers are that they're a blessing to you each week. Again, next Sunday morning, we'll present another broadcast of our 9 o'clock traditional worship service. This is Jimmy Lance. May the peace of Christ be with you and sustain you till we meet again. Enjoy this day, this gift, God's good morning.